Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors. Got questions concerning elder or state law? Attorney Mike Connors has the answer. He's been recognized as one of New York's top lawyers by New York Magazine and brings nearly 40 years of experience to the table. His office number is 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Here's Mike Connors. We are gathered here on hallowed ground. estate planning and elder law. The idea behind estate planning is to pass assets from one generation to the next, paying the least amount in taxes we need to pay legally, avoiding going through court, avoiding probate, and as far as elder law is concerned, trying to save assets from nursing home bills. Uh, Second part of the show, we talk about history, politics, religion, and we're hoping to have on John Wayne's granddaughter to talk about the Western Heritage Hall of Fame uh, at, the, at the end of the show. But meanwhile, let's get back to estate planning. We have one of our soon-to-be attorneys, Gladys. Gladys, when are you supposed to be admitted? Hopefully within the next few weeks. I'm really just waiting to hear back from the second department. Right. Okay, which means you passed the bar and going through the paperwork. Yes, exactly. Okay, now you came up with a, a question that's been asked you. So you want to repeat that for our audience? Sure. So I've been doing some estate work here thus far, um, and people ask, well, my cousin passed away. I'm the executor of the will. Um, do I have to pay their debts? They have a you know an outstanding credit card bill that they didn't pay, and then they passed away. And they say, how do we take care of that now? Well, a lot depends whether the cousin has a an estate that goes through probate or not. If the estate goes through probate, the credit card company can put a claim in against the estate and for the most part, assuming there's enough money in the estate to pay the bill, then you would have to pay it. Now, sometimes you can use an estate almost as a bankruptcy proceeding. Let's say somebody dies, they have a probate estate of $100,000, and they have $110,000 worth of bills. Well, basically, you can use that estate as a, you know, use the surrogate's court almost like a bankruptcy proceeding for the, the decedent. So, and you're entitled to a commission, the lawyer's entitled to fees. And then the rest gets proportionally balanced, or sometimes their priorities in the different uh, debts, you know, secured, unsecured, that kind of stuff, which ordinarily doesn't come happen. But one thing, if you want to avoid that for your relatives, that's one of the reasons you want to avoid probate. Because let's say, for the sake of argument, you have 
you know, obviously, if, if you owe that much money in credit card debt, you probably don't have a substantial estate. But let's say you have $100,000 and you have it in trust for somebody, and that's your total net worth, and you pass away, that person collects the estate. Well, then, in all likelihood, if the credit card company does not have an estate to put a claim in, they don't put a claim in, and basically you get home free. And, of course, between husband and wife, if everything's joint between husband and wife or in trust for, then, you know, there's no estate. There's no place to put a claim in, and you get away with it. And this times, especially sometimes with some of our senior citizens, um, put your house in a trust. Maybe you don't have a lot of money. You have that in the trust or joint with someone else. You have some credit card bills because we know sometimes you get into your 90s or 100 years old or so, and you can't quite make payments of all your bills. Well, if you don't go through probate for the most part, the credit card companies won't pursue it. Now, they, they can pursue it. They can do different proceedings. But unless there's an enormous amount of money and there's fraud or something involved, they're not going to do it. You know, like maybe if somebody took out $100,000 worth of bills just before they died and didn't pay it, maybe the credit card companies go after it. But ordinarily, even when that happens, you got to remember each one, any one of the credit card companies doesn't have that much money at stake. So let's say you got five credit card companies and it's $19,000 a piece. It may not be worth it in their while to get lawyers to put a claim in and try to put a claim in against the state, get an administrator or executor appointed, you know, to try to collect $19,000. How much in legal fees would it cost? Probably more than $19,000. So one of the keys is if you're in that situation and you're planning, you want to avoid probate. You avoid probate when you pass away. There are no assets in your name alone when you pass away, which especially the house. If you own a house, the deed to the house or the stock certificate to a co-op should be in a trust. And, you know, getting back to, to the question you had, let's say that cousin had a five, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollar house. Well, then, you know, the credit card company is going to put a claim in against the estate. They're going to have a, a lien against the estate. And, of course, if you got a five hundred thousand net house or something like that, obviously you're going to pay it. Now, you may be able to work a deal and cut it down a little bit, but in that case, the creditors are going to get paid their their share. So, And they have seven months to, to file something after Right, to put a claim letter. in. Right. But if you have full notice of the claim, that seven months can be easily extended. Um, but let's say you're just an executive, you have no idea what your cousin owned at the time. If you don't get a claim within seven months of the issuance of letters and you distribute the assets, well, then you can be home free. The creditors still can try to collect it against the people who received under the will or under the, uh, if it's intestacy, the next of kin or whatever. I've never seen that happen. You know, usually if they don't put a claim in in seven months, they don't do it. But occasionally, occasionally it might happen if it's a nursing home and it's a huge claim or something like that. Now, Gladys, tell the audience something about yourself. Where did, where did, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? So I broke up. I uh, was born and raised in Brooklyn. Uh, I went to Brooklyn College. Then I went to Cardozo Law for law school, and this is my first job out of law school. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> She's wonderful. She's a beautiful young attorney to be. So everybody, come see her at Connors and Sullivan. And this is one of the other questions. Do you speak any other languages? Yes. So I speak Russian. Um, you know, my parents are Russian, so that is the language I speak at home. 
Um, I also speak Russian with clients regarding legal matters. So if you have a question and you want to speak to a Russian attorney, then reach out to Connors and Sullivan. We have a few attorneys here that do speak Russian. Mm -hmm. Michael, I even forget, how many languages do we speak here? All right. Well, our full list is English, Spanish, Italian, Greek, Polish, Romanian, Russian, Ukrainian, Mandarin, Cantonese, Fujianese, Tagalog, and Hindi. Okay, well, is that everything? And I just speak English. Mike, yeah. do you speak anything but no, English? No, my German's a little stale oh, after all these years. That happens. That um, happens. Where were your folks from in, in Russia? Because we've got people from everywhere. Right. Um, well, my parents, you know, have a long line of of people traveling and moving throughout that oh, okay. area but my mom is from belarus and so is my dad okay okay i am from the south as most people know and well that's you... another language yeah. <laughs> oh, oh hush <laughs> but i mean everybody knows who are your people and they you know well who are you people and it's it's just because you love them Yes. You know, you go back, you go back and, you know, who are they? Where did they come from? Because, uh, you know, my, I'm part Choctaw, a very little bit, but everybody else is just from everywhere else in Europe. Um, Northern, basically Germanic and Celtic, but from all over the place. And it's just, one, I think one of the most wonderful things is to know where your ancestors were in history of course we love history here and we talk talk about history forever but you know where were your ancestors when this was happening or when this was happening or when this was happening because that essentially is saying what what were their lives like what were they going through what were the what did the, what were the obstacles that they faced and i i think it's it's just nice to remember them however distantly or just you know to say thanks I'm here because of you, you know. So, so it's a, it's a, a, just a very nice thing to know who your people are. Do you know how far back years years go? You, I mean, I did one of those ancestry tests, but I don't know how accurate they are. Oh, what did it say? What did it say? It said I was like one percent Vietnamese. I don't, I don't know if I, oh, if I believe that fully, but it actually does give you a timeline of you know how far that generation goes oh very good so i was 99 percent eastern european but, yeah. well that's very interesting so you have at least one traveler one, some, <laughs> exactly somewhere down that family line <laughs> oh see and that's so interesting well mr connor's over there has just a little smidgen of spanish and a little smidgen of italian in there and then the rest is german and irish Big, big bunch of Irish. Where are your folks from? You know exactly where they're from. Yeah, I do. But okay, Ireland well, and Germany, so what do you want me to say? No, you know exactly where they were in Ireland, and you know exactly that they ended up in Newfoundland, which is very interesting from a test. We took the same test. <laughs> so you evidently don't want to get into the... I don't think it's that interesting. All the people in Newfoundland were Irish descent. No, they weren't. What ninety six, ninety six percent. Well, weren't didn't they say there were a lot of indigenous folks there? Yeah, but not no, but in our family, in my oh, DNA. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay. It's 96% Irish on that side. But you can tell the... It's a story. Tell okay. the story. You want to tell it or not? No, not right now. Okay. <laughs> All right. But just to go off that topic, we do get people here that have, you know, families and properties in different countries, and they ask, you know, how do we take care of that? Does the will that we do in the United States or in New York apply to Ireland or, you know, Mexico? Yeah, well, here... Well, Ireland... Any will done in New York, any will done in Ireland, because we're both descended from English common law, will be recognized in the respective countries. Um, whenever you start dealing with a, a country that follows Napoleonic Code, they have different rules for the disposition of real estate, of land. So, um, you know, like in other words, if you have personal property, bank accounts, usually, yes, most countries, almost every country in the world will recognize the will. But some countries, especially Napoleonic Code countries, the disposition of real estate is restricted, and you can't completely disinherit a family because I guess the concept is the land doesn't really belong to one person. It belongs to the family. So that can get a little complicated when you start talking about different countries. And then when you get to hybrids like Puerto Rico, I think my experience is, and I'm being a little sarcastic, you can talk to three lawyers in Puerto Rico and get three different answers how the real estate <laughs> you know who's the owner who's the owner of the real estate but well, um, how does that work in Newfoundland well it's English common law so it's no problem well how come we can't get your old your land that some cousin stole from you well because nobody's gone up there and checked it out. Ah, Gladys. <laughs> mm, Nicole Donnelly. <laughs> oh goodness. All right. All right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes with a few more estate planning questions, and then we'll be, hopefully be talking to Anita LaCava Swift, John Wayne's granddaughter. How can I protect my family if something happens to me? What if I need to go to a nursing home? What will happen to our savings, our home? What's the best way to give my home to my kids? Who will help us take care of Grandpa? These and many other questions can be answered with a phone call to Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC, 718-238-6500. Mike Connors, one of New York Magazine's top lawyers, has over 30 years of estate planning and elder law experience. Mike and his team of professionals will help you protect your assets from probate, taxes, and nursing home costs so you can have peace of mind knowing you and your family will be taken care of and protected. I'm Mike Connors, founder of Connors & Sullivan. People don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. The time to plan is now. I'm Beth Connors. Call today for a free initial consultation with one of our experienced lawyers. Connors & Sullivan in Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500 718-238-6500 or Connors & Sullivan. Com. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. Um, again, we've been talking about estate planning, but if you want to learn more about estate planning, you may want to go to, to our seminar schedule this next week. Now, I just want to make one comment. Our Staten Island seminars are sold out, so to speak. Every seat is taken. So if, if, you want to see, if you're in Staten Island and you want to see a seminar, you can either join us in Bay Ridge at the Greenhouse Cafe or you can, you know, schedule for an appointment in person appointment. Now, if you've reserved for Staten Island, fine, please show up. I don't, I don't mean to say, you know, those people who who've called in shouldn't come. 
Right. Everybody you know. that's called in, you're on our you're on our list, so you're right. good to go. Right. So Beth, where are seminars this next week? Okay, starting Monday, June nineteenth, eleven AM, three PM, Buckley's restaurant and caterers, twenty nine twenty six Avenue S in Brooklyn. So that's Monday. We're at Buckley's in Brooklyn, eleven AM and three PM. Then Tuesday is our Staten Island Day, and that's at DeLuca's Trattoria. Um, but that's 616 Forest Avenue, Staten Island. Tuesday, June 20th, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Once again, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Um, but sold out. If you want to try to, if you want to call in and, and check just in case, that's okay. Maybe somebody's, you know, figured out, oh my goodness, I can't go. So you can still call if you're interested in Staten Island, but don't be, don't be sorry if they say we're filled up. All right. Wednesday, June 21st, this one is 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. That's the Greenhouse Cafe in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, 7717 Third Avenue. Which means if you live in Staten Island, we're only one. It's I easy. know you got to pay that toll, and I'm sorry, but if you want, if you live in Staten Island and you want to see a seminar, come to Bay Ridge at the Greenhouse Cafe. It's the second exit off the toll once you get into Brooklyn. The seminar is free, and we've got coffee and water and tea. So anyway... Hope that we hope, and it's a great spot for a bite if you decide to drop in to the actual restaurant afterwards. Or Absolutely. Beforehand. All right, now we're up to Thursday, June twenty second, um, and this is also three p.m. and seven p.m. That's Connolly's Corner, seventy one seventeen Grand Avenue, Maspeth. So Connolly's Corner, Thursday, June twenty second. 3 p.m. and 7 p.m. And then the final one for this round, Friday, June 23rd, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., the Adria Hotel and Conference Center, 221-17 Northern Boulevard in Bayside. So the Adria Hotel, 11 a.m. and 3 p.m., Friday, June 23rd. How long have we been doing the seminars at the Adria well, I think we've got to be doing it 25 years now. Yeah. At the Adria Hotel. It's very, there's plenty of room. That th- Greenhouse a long time too. But we- That's right. That's right. All right. So I hope to, I hope if you want to see us, want to come to one of the seminars, you have a chance to this coming week. All right. And again, what do we talk about? I would say the number one question that's on most people's minds is what do I do with the deed to my house? How do I get the house to my kids in the most efficient manner? One, we want to avoid probate. We want to avoid going through court. Two, we don't want to pay taxes. And, you know, if you're speaking to me, if if you hear me at the seminars, if you hear me on the show, I think one thing you have to take that's, that's rooted in my DNA is we do not want to pay taxes. The government gets enough. We want to save our assets for our children, for our heirs. We don't want to give our assets. We don't give taxes to the government. Now, sometimes New York State makes it very hard for those people who saved and worked hard to to get it across. But it, we want to get as much as we can legally, not breaking the law, within the bounds of the law. We want to get as much as possible into our children paying the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally. And also, we want to save your house. A lot of people want to save the house from nursing home bills. 
and we'll try to give you our ideas and the best way to avoid probate, save your house from nursing home bills, and pay the least amount of taxes you may you need to pay legally. And and sometimes there's some people who may offer, you know, put the house in your kids' names, you'll save it from a nursing home. But then it might cost them hundreds of thousands of dollars in capital gains taxes at the end. So, you know, we want to do it the right way. We want to take everything, you know, kind of a, a, a full holistic approach to estate planning. We want to avoid probate. We want to save on taxes. And we want to save those assets from nursing home bills. And, you know, I've been doing it for a little over 40 years now. I, I've seen everything happen. You come in, we come in with a plan. I'll try to give you a plan based on my experience to do those things. Avoid probate, protect your house from nursing home bills, and pay the least amount of taxes we need to pay legally. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You're listening to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors. If you're a homeowner age 62 or older and are finding it harder to pay off debt, or how about enjoying your retirement years with less stress? A home equity conversion mortgage may be the answer for you and your family. Hi, this is Frank Melia, a certified mortgage planner, and I've helped countless homeowners all over the tri-state area tap into a little or a lot of their home equity so they can use it right now. Give me a call so our team here at Contour Mortgage can show you how the loan program works and how much you and your family may qualify for. My job is to help you find the best solution for your retirement goals. I do this by educating homeowners with straightforward information and answers. It's free to call and speak with me, Frank Melia, to determine if this mortgage program might be able to help you and your loved ones now. Call and speak with me. I'll answer your questions and help you decide if a reverse mortgage is right for you and your family. Make the call now, 888-954-7463. Once again, that's 888-954-7463, and you could be on your way to a better retirement. Frank Melia, NMLS number 62591, Contour Mortgage Corporation, NMLS number 34384, 990 Stewart Avenue, Suite 660, Garden City, New York, 11530, Licensed Mortgage Banker, New York State Department of Financial Services. Time now for Connor's Corner, where Mike takes a closer look at topics like history, politics, religion, and more. Here's Mike. Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. You know, a few weeks ago, somebody was talking about, we were talking about at dinner with Joe Piscopo's company there, uh, about the movie The Alamo. And I said, remember The Alamo and the picture. And somebody got a (laughs) short laugh out of that one. But (laughs) Anita, you had a small part in The Alamo. You were with, uh, what is it, Gwen Big Boy Williams, right? In a scene. That's right. That's right. Do you want to describe the... Certainly. It was my first and last. Uh, role in a John Wayne movie. Um, <laughs> How'd you get the part? Uh, it's pure nepotism. I mean, <laughs> All right, so tell the audience who you are by by what nepotism. Uh, I'm uh, John Wayne's eldest uh, grandchild, and um, my mother and I, I were on the set of The Alamo, and I, I believe I was two years, about two years old. And I was uh, in the scene where the women and children are leaving the uh, Alamo. And I was sitting on her lap in the wagon. And uh, big boy came up and said, you know, can I say 
goodbye to you. I don't have anyone to say goodbye to. And my mother, her line was, you know, surely. And I turned and looked at him and threw up on him. Oh. <laughs> and so, yeah. My grandfather said that scene cost him the most money because he had to dub in my mother's voice because she had oh. such a low voice. It sounded like a man saying goodbye to him. <laughs> and then, you know, I had vomited all over the poor guy. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> oh, what a debut. Yeah. But I guess he was right? professional. He'd been, he'd been in movies a long time. He was back in silence, I think. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he just wiped it off like it was bird poop, I guess. <laughs> Oh, good times, good times. But what we're talking about today, you're, get the title right, but you're on the board of directors of the National Cowboy Western Heritage Museum? That's correct, I am. And I'm just going to say one thing, if if in the audience out there, you haven't been to the museum, you should really go, it's an incredible experience, but uh, Anita, tell us what your feeling is about the the museum. Uh, Absolutely, so... Um, It was founded in 1955, and my grandfather was there. Uh, He was one of the founding members of the people who formed this group to open this museum. Um, It it was formed to um, remember the West, basically, and the art and artifacts of the the people who um, settled the West and um you know made movies and and pitch and you know beautiful art and everything about the west and it it has it covers all of the western states and actually the northern states too so uh the northwest the southwest and um we've even got some wonderful new york members from new york and and uh Maine on our board so but he he was part of this founding group and they wanted to have a a place to put these amazing artworks of you know Remington and and uh, uh, to, you know all these amazing artworks and so in 1955 they um, located in it in Oklahoma City and it's just an amazing collection of internationally uh, renowned Western art and artifacts. Yeah. And go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We have we have actually classic and contemporary Western art there. Um. And that's you know, and we want it. Basically, we're we're there to educate the people from all over the country and the world, and we do. So, you know, no. we're we're. One of my favorite parts, though, is like the the Western heritage, the 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 actors and the actresses that were in, you know, so, films and TV, and especially TV, because you know a lot of the people on TV are forgotten now. Although there are so many reruns on different stations, and of course, I've been talking to some people, and they say they get more fan mail now than they did in the fifties when they're on TV every week, because they may have three shows on, you know, between. Me TV and the Western Channel and some of the other nostalgia right. channels around there. There's some guys who get more fan mail, they say, now than they used to. And you see reruns all 
around. But oh, it, it is nostalgia to see, you know, the, the guys from the 1950 Western series when there was a Western on every night on TV. But it, it, it is nostalgia to see their pictures and their history and the Hall of Fame. Anita, well, you you may not know this. Did you know, you know Chuck Connors, the rifleman? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, he's a, a cousin of Mike's. You're kidding me. No, Mike. <laughs> no, he grew up in Brooklyn. Not actually from where we're sitting right now. He he grew up only about six blocks from here. Oh, um, wow. Well, we knew him. Well, we knew him growing up because he lived in the San Fernando Valley, right real close to where we lived. And um, he was very good friends with Dean Smith, uh, one of the stuntmen that was on Granddad that were in a lot. He was in a lot of. Uh, my grandfather's movies and um they were really good friends yeah, well, well, we, you know like uh your uncle patrick said he was in a couple of things with him and the the one funny thing is when he lost his temper he went back to his brooklyn accent <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so funny how those cowboys did that sometimes yes. <laughs> You know, you, you, you mentioned it, but could you tell us a little bit about Dean Smith? Because I think he's one of those guys that deserves remembering, because I don't think too many people remember who he was. But we all saw him in a lot of films. And oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe not a prominent speaking part, but he was in a lot of films and a tremendous athlete, wasn't he? Oh, he was the fastest man in the world. I mean, he was on he had a gold medal in Helsinki. Um, he was, uh, uh, he is, he is, uh, in, in Texas, one of their, t um, you know, Texas athletes, one of their top Texas athletes. Uh, he played for the university of Texas, um, football team. He was, uh, drafted to the Rams football team. He played out there for a while and then his, his buddy, um, James Garner got him in, in pictures. Okay. Yeah. And so that's how he started in pictures. And then he tried out for the Alamo and he, the, the scene where the guy, so I always say Dean and I got our start together. <laughs> in John Wayne, in John Wayne pictures, he went on to do 11 more and I, you know, ended my career on a high. So. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he he did. I mean, he went on to have a huge career in uh, film in stunt work for sure. But he did. Um, you know, he was uh, an amazing athlete and uh, still a beloved son in Texas. I mean, they they love him. Yeah. I, I remember seeing him interviewed once, and they showed a picture from uh, with, with Jimmy Stewart and Henry Fonda that were in it. But he was, you know, there were some cattle that were moving quickly, and you have him running, and he's outrunning the cattle. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, yeah. In that scene. Oh, no. That was the joke. Every time <laughs> they were somewhere, they would, you know, everybody, always in a bar, they had, you know, hey, I bet you can't outrun this guy that finds, you know, some some dumb kid, you know, in from football the football team and you sure. know, I bet you can't outrun this guy and you know, he had white hair and, and everybody's like, Oh yeah, right, this old guy <laughs> And Dean could just you know, he 
such good shape, but he would always, you know, outrun them. And they would be like, what the heck? Oh, it's great. Who is this guy? It's great. Oh, but my he, goodness. And, uh, such a good man. I mean, he, you know, he's the guy who, you know, jumped over the back of the horse to jump on the horse and run. Right. And right. then, you know, he, I mean, just, uh, and he was Maureen O'Hara in McClintock when she uh, had to jump oh. off the balcony. <laughs> Because, you know, he was slim and, and and very handsome, so he could pass for a woman. Oh, that's great. But he did have a speaking part in McClintock, too. Oh, yeah, he did. And he did in, I can't remember whether it was Rio Bravo or Rio Lobo, but he's the guy who got uh, the knife. James Caan. Um, El Dorado. El Dorado. Oh, that's Either right, yeah. Because like I said, you know, we're not talking about major speaking parts here, but that's why I thought we might have the conversation about it because he's not somebody, you know, that was a character actor that, you know, was in a hundred films with a speaking role. He he was in and out. He was in True Grit, you know, he was in True Grit. He was, you know, but if there was some stunt that you had to do some, you know, jump off a horse or and jump back on, he was the guy, (laughs) you know. I love stunt people. Oh my God, they're the best. They're the best, and, absolutely. And, and really, they they were the ones who taught my grandfather how to ride and throw a punch and sure and do all of those things. They and he'll be he would have been the first to tell you that too. Well, good, good, good people. All right. Well, I I know I, that was a diversion, but yes, I, my, Mike said, I said, oh my goodness, because as a kid, I loved the Rifleman. So I said, oh my goodness, when, well, when's the last time you saw him? And what'd you say at somebody's funeral? Yeah, I mean, it's... Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, our our grandparents came from Newfoundland, you know, way back when, that to Brooklyn. so funny that, I mean, you know, everybody came east, you know. From the East Coast. So oh, yeah. Yeah, that's how the West was. And it, it's just, it's interesting. You know, Mike, Mike's father was a semi-pro basketball player. You know, just very athletic. You know, great guys. You know? Oh, yeah. The, I mean, well. You want a Brooklyn story? Gone. You want a Brooklyn story? Mike's, sure. Mike's father who played basketball, you know, older than Chuck Connors, but he's, he, 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 he played for the house of David sometimes. And when he, I love it. when he did, he was Michael Conowitz. <laughs> he was the ringer. Yeah. <laughs> but let, let, what I love ev- it. do you know what events do we have at the museum over the next few months, year or so? Well, we just had our major art sale um, this last weekend, and it was an amazing success called the um, Free to West. And uh, that's our major fundraiser. We, we've raised $3.2 million so far. For Fantastic. Yeah, it was a, a, an amazing. It, it's always a great event. And, um, and so that art will be on display, I believe, until uh, the end of July. Okay. And then we have um, in October the traditional cowboy arts um, uh, exhibition will be on, and that's silversmith 
silversmithing, um, saddles, leather work, uh, the um, riata making, uh, um, um, all of those, you know, traditional uh, things that the cowboys uh, those well, that use, you know. Right, the skills. The I'm, I'm glad yeah. that's not being lost. That's great. Oh, no. It's, 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 that is an amazing show. Um, so that'll all be there. I think it's the first weekend in October. And okay. then we have a great little sale in November called the um, Small Works, Small Wonders for new, for people who are just getting into buying Western art. Oh. And, you know, like young, young people that are just starting to be interested. And so it's something affordable for them. That's nice. Yeah, and that's the, usually the first weekend in November. And if they go onto our website, they can see all of this. But the one thing I love about our our little museum is <laughs> they have made it so easy now to go on and you can look up uh, so much um, information through the Dickinson Library now online. It's it's just fabulous. You can see all the art that's in the museum. We have so much underground in that museum. That's what I had heard. Yeah, yeah. maybe you told me that. Yeah, that doesn't make it up to the floor of the museum, you know, except for little um, bits and pieces. When my grandfather was alive, he had donated his um, Kachina doll collection Ah. And some other of his Indian art um, to the museum when he was alive. And then when he passed away, he he had donated some of his other fine art that he had and memorabilia, so, some of his memorabilia. So they have that. And, and that is, I mean, so much of it is underground still. Okay. And a lot of the, um, like, um, uh, Joel McRae, who was also one of the big founding members. Mm-hmm. He, a lot of his uh, artifacts are still, um, uh, especially his Hollywood stuff is under, you know, underground. They bring that up and change out the cupboards and stuff. So, you know, we y'all need another out. building. We, yeah, exactly. We're, we're, we're adding on, but we're, we're, you know, we just don't have enough room. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and just for those people that haven't been there, the museum is enormous. You can spend a yeah. lot of time walking. I mean, you have the Native American art. You you have the history of the pioneers, the history of the U.S. Army out there. Um, right. Again, the Western, the Western performers, Western, you know, both right. country music. We have the Western music. performance area. We have the... Um, the 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 cowboys the black cowboy the the vaquero the you know all the different cowboys that um, settled the west and were so important to to uh, and the different ways they did it too I mean you know the vaqueros have a different saddle they have a different uh, costume that they wear they have you know different hat that they wear and all of these things are on display in these galleries and it's I mean, it's just amazing uh, to see, and we and our even our uh, Native American galleries are amazing. Um, 
and they just opened a brand new uh, museum there in Oklahoma City, the 13 different uh, tribes uh, museum there. It's just beautiful. I haven't been, I haven't seen that one. Um, I I think it opened up after you guys were there. Okay. So it's brand new. I mean, they've been, they've been promising it forever and it's finally opened. Well, I go around, I mean, my grandfather was 116th Choctaw. And every time oh, I gosh. go someplace, I'm I'm kind of looking for Choctaw stuff, and I don't well, find a lot of it. I know they were east of the Mississippi, so you know. But still, they they I, fought with Jackson I, against the British in New Orleans. You know, well, there's there's Choctaw in in uh, Oklahoma. You'll you'll see that for sure. In I, we have some Choctaw um, things, and we do have. Um, for sure, the thirteen tribes has it. Very good. Very. I ha- we have to get yeah. back for that. We do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We have. Um, we have a really great exhibition coming up. It's called Art Tunes. You know, and it's cartoons with cowboys. Oh, I love that. So, oh gosh. Yeah. So, and Very so nice. That's. That's. Um, and then we also have a great one. It's panoramic photographs of the West. Ooh, and that's also um, happening. It's called the Wide West, and that's July first through the the um, October fifteenth. Right. Well, we got we went over there because of your award ceremony. Okay. Oh yeah. my goodness. So, so we've so that has always been kind of a. Um, something to bring people into the museum that have never been there before, you know, and it is um, always such a fun, fun event. I mean, it's, it's called the Western heritage awards and it's uh, we honor um, visionaries of the West. um, Great. uh, Like uh, we honor the Chester Reynolds, uh, is usually a person who has been very instrumental in doing something uh, to pro- be um, very proactive in making the West survive. So like, you know, a, a saddle maker, a farmer, a rancher, um, somebody like that. Um, Western Visionary Award we, we gave to uh, Pete Coors last year. Um a lifetime we have a lifetime achievement award last year our winner was bob funk who is a a big rancher and uh owns express uh employment agency and he is a huge supporter of the museum but he is an amazing rancher and a supporter of western all things western and uh you know making sure that our 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 ranches stay alive And And then we have, you know, our, we have, we've honored in the past few years, Kevin Costner, Kurt Russell, and his father, Bing Russell. Um, We've honored, um, last year we honored Lou Diamond Phillips. All right. I want to mention one thing about Bing Russell. When I was eight years old, in one of your father's movies directed by John Ford, The Horse Soldiers, I think yeah. Bing Russell gives a great performance, and that impressed me. He's an eight-year-old boy. He gave a great performance as one of the, quote, scouts who 
has his leg amputated right. and eventually dies. But I, I always thought that was really one of the best performances for a supporting actor ever. Right? Yes. So great. So great. And he, what a good guy he was, too. I mean, listen, there were very few kids that grew up in Hollywood that survived, you know, survived, period. And I would say the Russell family and the Howard family. Uh, okay, and, and both, right, right. You know, and both of their families were, uh, their dads were both very involved in their, you know, in not a creepy way, you know. Right. But in very much uh, uh, in a in a good way. Um, those those parents were amazing. And, well, and so we were so happy to be able to honor his his dad as well. So that was and we've done it. You know, we did it with the uh, bridges. OK. We did that. OK. Well, the first so, year we went, wasn't that. Um... Robert Duvall. Yeah. That w- oh, yeah. Robert Duvall. So great. All right. Well, let, let uh, me ask you this. Where can somebody learn more about it? Where we can get on the Internet? Sure. Yeah. You can go to the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum dot com. And we have everything listed there you could possibly want to know about, including our learning library, which is amazing. You can you can see like we have letters in there from women who are crossing the plane, you know, crossing the plains and and um, covered wagons in, in the covered wagons. I mean, just amazing things in that learning library. Um, pictures of uh, you know some of the different bits and all all everything that's down in that um, vault we call it, but all those different kinds of saddles and if you're ever looking up and you ever need anything, you can call them too and they'll look it up for you. Well, listen, so. it's artwork. When that was one of the things I was, I didn't have enough time to see the museum because, oh, yeah. you know, if the you had the, the motion picture TV section and you had, you know, and just looking at all the different people and then reading about them and then the looking at the what people wore. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, oh, promise yeah. us one thing, Anita. When you you haven't picked your awards ceremony, the honorees for next year, I assume. We we do not have that okay. list yet. Will you promise to um, come on and tell us who they are when they are announced? As soon as they're <laughs> announced, I will let you know. Right. All right. Thank you very much for being on the show. Take care. Stay well. Absolutely. Love to talk to you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Do you have somewhere to sleep? Did you eat today? Are you making ends meet? For thousands of New Yorkers, the answer is no. For children and youth, adults, seniors, people struggling with addiction or mental illness, and for the isolated, Catholic Charities of Brooklyn and Queens is there. With 160 programs and more than 4,500 units of affordable housing, Catholic Charities is one of the largest multi-service charitable organizations in the nation. We help change lives and build communities. If you or someone you know needs assistance, call 718-722-6001 or visit ccbq.org. Do you know how many Christians live in the Middle East? Six million people. Do you know how many Christians need your help? Every single one. Do you know what we can do? With St. Francis in Beirut, we can give them hope. We can give them medicines. We can give them medical equipment. We can give them everything they're looking for. 
because some others decided to remove Christianity from the Middle East. But if we will help them every single day, not just to feed them or clothing, it's all about giving them another day with the idea that they are recognized, that we love them, they are cousins, sisters, there are roots. So St. Francis in Beirut, it's all about helping Christians. And you can be part of that help too. If you want to help Father Paul in his mission, send your donations to St. Francis in Beirut, 213 Stanton Street, New York, New York, 10002. Welcome back to Ask the Lawyer with me, Mike Connors, now accompanied by my wife, Beth, and my son, Michael. Hey, everybody. Hey, thanks for joining us. And if you joined that interview late, that was Anita LaCava Swift, who is the oldest grandchild of John Wayne. And she's very active in some of the things of, about the John Wayne cancer. She used to be active in the John Wayne Cancer Institute, which was, you know, basically dissolved by the woke people out in California. But she's also somewhat involved with the John Wayne Cancer Foundation, which is in part operated with Texas Tech. And we do plan to have a fundraiser in December in New right. York right. with the John Wayne Cancer Foundation and Texas Tech. Right, and it 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 will be some somewhere in Midtown Manhattan. We're looking at possibly the Three West Club, right? right that's there. right. That's right. And um, it's going to be Thursday. What's it? December seventh. Right. And the day um, that we live in infamy. I know. I know. Um, and what we're going to do is uh, introduce people up here in New York who want to meet the Wayne family and who want to meet people from Texas Tech University where um, the whole just the the rug was pulled out from under the John Wayne Cancer Institute for 40 years. They'd been at the hospital, St. John's University Hospital out in Santa Monica and Money flowed in from the John Wayne cancer people, um, and all the all of a sudden they just didn't. Uh, Santa Monica, uh, the people in Santa Monica just decided, well, well, John Wayne's not cool. He he's embarrassing, but they kept all the research. That is what is just all of the research, all of the sample. You know, if you had cancer, there were. When we went to Santa Monica, we saw this huge room, enormous room, um, where they had frozen cancer samples, and each one was tagged with what they had. What, um, however, they decided they were going to try to treat it, drugs, whatever, and. So you knew what happened, where the cancer was from, what type of cancer it was. So for 40 years, money raised by John Wayne family had gone to support this research. And that hospital removed his name and kept it. So um, that's I called my brother. Uh, he who's the chancellor of Texas Tech University right now. Um, my brother's a doctor. He was past president of um Cooper Clinic in Dallas, and I, I told him what happened, and I said, do you think, you know, Texas Tech University would like to establish um, a relationship with the John Wayne Cancer Foundation? And they did, and it's it's just great. So we're going to, this, this, it all came to fruition last year, and so this year we want to introduce the Texas Tech people the John Wayne Cancer Foundation people, including members from the family. And um, we're going to have Christmas in New York. 
And of course, the Three West Club is right across the street from the big tree, the big Christmas tree. And I think it I think after we have our little get together with our food, we're going to go across the street and just have a pic a picture everybody who who joins us to have a picture with the Christmas tree. So I'm looking forward to it because I'm I was so upset when they did that to the the Wayne family and they didn't even tell the doctors who were in residency with the John that with the John Wayne Cancer Institute. They didn't even tell them that they were were removing John Wayne's name. So just a bad bunch of people. So now we want to be happy and positive and have a wonderful thing. And it really, last year when it came to came to be, it's happy now. So hooray. So yes, we are going to have a Christmas party for cancer research and with the John Wayne family and Texas Tech University. All right. Well, we'll, put further information out later in the year as we get closer to the date uh we hope to see you you know next week at the same you know time and places and you know maybe we'll go out on a john wayne movie note or whatever like that michael well, can we find something bing yeah, russell we'll maybe song along those lines yeah and yeah. I, and i really meant what i said about bing russell and the horse soldiers it was a great performance We'll see you next week at the same times and places. Thank you for listening to Ask the Lawyer. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Are you or your parents' assets protected from nursing home bills? Did you know these bills can exceed $15,000 a month? People work their entire lives to live comfortably in retirement, but when people become ill and need to go to a nursing home or receive home care, the bills can drain their assets, leaving many people bankrupt. The good news is that you can prevent that from happening if you plan in advance. Connors & Sullivan's lawyers can customize a plan that specifically protects your interests, including your home. Schedule a free comprehensive telephone consultation with Mike Connors to discuss your issues and concerns from the security of your home. Call today, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500. Don't let nursing home bills take your life's savings and leave you and your loved ones bankrupt. Don't wait another minute. Mike Connors can take you through the process by telephone and start a plan designed for you today. That's 718-238-6500. 718-238-6500. The preceding pre-recorded program paid for by Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law, PLLC.